Hello and welcome to our next Someone You Should Know. I say this every time, but I really am excited to have Dr. Wendy Flint on with us today. If you've been um, walking with us on this journey over the last several months, Johnny and I have been doing our Up for Discussion program centered around a series on echoing a new narrative on each of the seven mountains. Basically, we know there is an agenda that um, ultimately Satan himself has tried to, to promote throughout the generations that just boils down to all these giant lies about who God is, who we are, and um, tries to get us to believe that we have no power and no authority and no ability to uh, bring the kingdom of God to earth. And we know that we're called to echo a completely different narrative or agenda, you could say. And um, ultimately, it's not an agenda. It's a story and it's a love story that God himself is telling through his sons and daughters. And each of these areas of culture were meant to be ways that in regular everyday life, we could each encounter and experience an aspect of who God is. And Today, we're specifically talking about echoing a new narrative on the mountain of education. And in education, which, you know, even if you never went to school your entire life, you are being educated constantly just by the world around you, by creation itself. And we were meant in those formative years when we were just absorbing so much new um, information and experiencing new things. We are meant to discover the face of who God is as creator, as the source of everything that is true and right and beautiful that, that works together. And that environment of love is, is the, is the environment we were created to learn in, not an environment of fear. Um, and love doesn't have an agenda. Love just is love. And we have the world even trying to teach us right now what love is. And, and it's it's not something, it's a person. It's our father. It's Jesus. So in the mountain of education, it can be a little sticky because um, we see this line between government and education. And we're going to talk about that today with Dr. Wendy Flint. Um, and I just want to quickly read a, a formal bio of hers, and I'm going to pull her on and let her add to it and tell us some more about herself. But I want to encourage you um, to hang in here and listen, because whether you have children that are in school right now or not, or maybe you've pulled your kids out and they're all homeschooled and you don't really care so much about public school or whatever, we're going to talk about why we should care and how we can make a difference. Um, so hang in there with me. Dr. Wendy Flint, author and national speaker, has over 35 years experience in the business sector K through 12th and higher education. She's a former president of the school of board, excuse me, of the school board in the Evergreen School District in Washington State. Currently, Wendy is an assistant professor of management and director of the College of Business at George Fox University in Oregon. Dr. Flint is the author of School Boards, A Call to Action, an inspirational and practical guide for parents who want to take back their schools or run for school board. Over 2,000 citizens have won their elections with Dr. Flint's book and training. Wendy has been married to her husband, Terry, for 53 years. She doesn't look old enough to have been married for 53 
three years. He and her husband are veterans of the Vietnam War and call themselves American Patriots. Wendy is the mother of three and grandmother of six. We are so glad that you're on with us today, Dr. Wendy. Thank you for your time and expertise. And I can't wait to just um, allow our audience to, to learn from you today. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to be here and hopefully I can inspire some people to make a difference in education. Yep, I know you will. I'm already inspired. If I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing right now, I would be so drawn just from your book. Um, before we get started, I do want to show them. We got this book in the mail from Dr. Wendy. You got to tell them what you're just telling me about the labor of love that it took last summer for you to put this together. Um, we didn't know each other, but when we receive, we get a lot of books and things in the mail and, um, you know, we're grateful for anything somebody sends us. But to be honest, there's so many, oftentimes we can't get through all of them, but the Holy Spirit really highlighted your book. And I know Johnny mentioned it a while back on Elijah streams. Um, but what prompted you to send this to us? Well, it is my second edition. I wrote the first edition back in the late 80s when I uh, was on the school board and traveled the nation uh, speaking to parents and training parents uh, to run for school board. And uh, I thought that era of time was over. My grandchildren are all in college now. and wow. But I did get involved with a local school district uh, that was facing some huge challenges and a school board election. And um, I befriended someone during her campaign and I gave her a copy of my old book. And uh, I asked her later, did it help you? I mean, it seems like it would be outdated. And she goes, oh my gosh, it became my Bible to know what to do. And I said, so, you know, um, I just, just wonder, sometimes I think about if I should, you know, put another one out there, but um, you know, I'm busy and I'm working full time. Well, last summer, um, they won their election. And then last summer, uh, my husband and I had this thing called COVID cough, and we were uh, tired all summer. Um, I was in bed a lot and praying for healing. And I praise God I wasn't as sick as some other people, but I just didn't have any energy. And I had the summer off from teaching and couldn't do much. And the Lord started speaking to my heart. I need you to get up and write the second edition of that book. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? And right he, said, <laughs> he said, Wendy, when you ran for school board, you know, they called you a right wing radical. And I was just a concerned mom. And that seems like a mild term right now. Uh, he said, they're calling parents terrorists today. And I had followed that in the news. And he said, they need your help. And I need you to write the second edition and you need to get out there and you need to show them what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I would get up out of my sick bed and uh, edit it and go back to bed. And I did this all summer long uh, until it was done. And uh, then I uh, self-published it uh, through Amazon and sent out 20 copies to people that had a conservative voice in the nation in streaming and other shows. And you and Johnny um, were, were uh, one of those shows. Yeah. And um, and then I just went back to bed and said, Lord, it's in your hands now. <laughs> and uh, you and Johnny were the only ones that picked it up at this point. And I'm just really thankful for that because, um, uh, so, you know, gosh, I think I sold about 40 books from that one promotion. And to buy a school board book means you must be thinking about making a difference. Yeah. So even if those 40 people, you know, use the book, I felt, that was that was good, God. There's got to be more, though. So I'm really yeah. happy to be here today. Wow. Well, I, I hope that we 
even from those 40, we get, even if we got 20 out of that, that would be amazing. Now I do want to preface before we jump into some other things that, that your book and your message that you um, are, are just great at articulating and the training that you provide is not just for someone that wants to run an, in an election for school board. It's also to help equip parents who mm -hmm. have children, how, how do you, or even just your average citizen, how do you go in and have a voice in front of a school board? Um, right. Yeah, that, and that's what's um, the addition to this book is uh, I, I kind of held back and was reserved about my Christian faith and the prayer and warfare that it took to win my election. And I said, well, this time, Lord, I'm just gonna tell the truth that you know we had a lot of people praying uh, and a lot of opposition and a lot of spiritual warfare. And I'm just, I'm just gonna share, if you're gonna go into this, this is what you need to do. And we had some exciting miracles happen because of that. And so the book tells parents what they can do in their schools and some exciting stories about that um, and what to do at a school board meeting, uh, how to go to the superintendent's office and ask for the book of resolutions and guidelines in your district, um, your rights as a parent, your legal rights. Uh, I think that they try to keep that from you. Uh, and people have been a little bit deceived about that, but we have all the rights as parents. Uh, so I have teachings in the book about that to encourage parents to do that and also how to make sure you organize prayer groups uh, for your schools. So I want to encourage anyone listening. I, I do know change is going to happen if you take over your school board. That's the only way you can take back anything horrible that's been happening. Um, but the parent groups, the volunteers, the teachers, the prayer, all of that is effective and all of that is important. You, it's not just the school board election. It's everybody working together in the area they've been called to. So even if you don't know that you would ever show up in a school board meeting for any reason, I can see benefit to reading this book just to educate yourself on so much that is happening in the news right now. Because if not, we're just hearing things that are happening and not, not knowing, like you said, understanding our rights and all of that. All right. So we'll come back to your book for sure. Um, why don't you give us some background? I, I love to highlight um, people that we have the honor of interviewing on here as pioneers. And clearly you are one who has pioneered in the area of education and done it, you know, a kingdom way. And so can you give us a little bit of your backstory? How, how do you know Jesus and how did you end up doing what you're doing now? How, well, how do I know Jesus? That's another story too. Um, I was raised in a, a false religion uh, called Christian science. I was fourth generation and had no uh, medical help growing up and had polio as a child and many other diseases because I didn't have any uh, uh, protection from that. And so when I found that was not working for me as a mom with my children and um, and I didn't have no Jesus, I didn't know about forgiveness. Um, and so um, I actually heard Oral Roberts uh, talk about building a hospital at his university, Oral Roberts University, and how doctors would uh, not only minister, uh, not only, you know, medically help you, but pray for you. And I went, wow, you can do that. You can believe in God and have medical science as possible. I mean, I believe in healing and I've had miracles, but I also think medicine is a miracle too at times. And, mm -hmm. and I, and so for that, I, I, so I wrote Oral Roberts a letter 
And I said, I need to know what religion you are where I can uh, believe in God and also use medicine, that basic. And um, I actually got a letter back from Oral Roberts on a small uh, desk tablet like four sheets of paper handwritten from him. And I know he was trying to in introduce Jesus to me, but it, it, I just wanted to read between where's the church, where's the church. And it happened to be, he said he was Methodist. And so I went to a, a little Methodist church in the country where I was in Vancouver, Washington, rode my bike over there, young mom um, with a little baby at the time and uh, rode my bike over there and they had communion service. And I went down, uh, I never heard of communion before, but they talked about Jesus and I didn't know who that was. And they wow. talked about forgiveness and I wanted that. And mm -hmm. I just, I just was pulled to the altar. And when I got to the altar, cause Methodists do kneel for communion. So I never had knelt before. And I heard a voice and uh, I know nobody else heard it, but I heard a voice and it said, Wendy, I love you. I forgive you. And I'm so glad you came unto me. And I thought the pastor was talking to me and I looked up like, all right, I've never been in a church before. How does this guy know my name? And I looked up and nobody was there. He was at the other end giving communion, which I didn't know what that was, but he was at the other end. I was so blown away. I ran out of the church. They probably thought, who was that? And so I rode my bike in heard the voice of God and rode my bike home. And my husband said, when I came through the door, there was a light around me because something so dramatically had happened to me. And I started reading the Bible and it, now it made sense to me. And mm -hmm. I found Jesus directly reading the scripture. And uh, so I, um, you can wow. never, you can never take that away from me. It was so real. And so um, that's when my relationship started. And so when I've heard, I've heard his voice quietly, you know, for many years, and he called me to run for school board. And I was really startled about that because I had been involved in Sunday school and um, youth group at, in the Foursquare Church, and I had uh, helped start daycare centers, and I thought I was going to have a ministry in the church. And the Lord started uh, speaking to me about running for school board because there was this situation going on in our district. Uh, and it was pretty bad. Uh, it's worse today, but it was pretty bad then. And um, some parents were asking me, because I had volunteered, were asking me to run. And um, I just couldn't believe that would be it. And the Lord started confirming it through people, prophetic messages. That was new to me, too, getting mm -hmm. a prophetic message. And um, I realized that um, he was calling me to what I call a marketplace ministry, leadership mm -hmm. in the world. And he was showing me that um, Daniel was a governor and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were senators. And Queen Esther was an a, a appointed official queen. And he said, I'm very much involved and mm -hmm. um, I want to be involved uh, in the public schools. So at the same time, I had also been praying for my children um, and the teachers for five years. I mm -hmm. wanted my children to be in private school. They were real small at the time, and I did, couldn't afford it. I was a stay-at-home mom, and um, I was crying out to God to give me the money to put my children in private school. And I'm not opposed to parents that do that. I wanted to do that. And um, he said, Your my arm is not too short for the public schools. Mm -hmm. and he took that scripture and said, 
you know, I, I can be there for you. He says, but this is what I want you to do, Wendy. I want you to pray every morning over your children before they go to school. And I want you to get involved in the schools. Mm. And I want you to pray over the teachers. And um, it, you make that commitment. And I'm going to take care of your children. You won't have to worry about anything. And wow. so I made that commitment. And my kids will tell you, we held hands every morning at the door. And wow. we prayed. And I did that for five years every morning before school. They could not go out the door without doing that. And I got involved uh, in the library, on field trips, wherever I could in the schools. And at the end of five years, before that calling to school board, he said, I heard his voice say, my good and faithful servant, you've done well over the little I gave you to do. And now I'm going to make you the Esther of this school district. Wow. And I like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what that meant. And later, um, when I did win, the calling uh, came, the people came, uh, the battle came. Yeah. Uh, and I did, I did win by 54%. Later, he showed me that I didn't need to serve on school board. Now, I didn't have an education at the time, no higher education. And I was questioning that. And um, but he he uses everybody. And um, so you had not completed your college degree. I had no education because I had learning wow. disabilities and I tried to go to school uh, and I can't. I, I can't memorize to this day. I cannot memorize, but I'm a professor. Um, I ended up finally at age 40. Um, Hewlett Packard, where I worked, told me about a university where you didn't have to take any tests. And uh, you just did a portfolio and research and writing. And so Hewlett Packard paid for my first degree and I, I didn't have to take one test. And after that, I couldn't stop going to school. I have five degrees now. Uh, when I realized I could learn. So at age uh, 44, um, I went back to school. And by age 54, I had a PhD. And um, so the Lord opened that door for me also. But when I ran for school board, he wasn't calling me to have an education at that point. Right. And um, but he showed me eventually this isn't about the education. It isn't about even the boring meetings you're going to go to and all the decisions you're going to make, even though we did make a difference. He said, it's about the authority I'm giving you to pray over this district. He wow. said, you are an answer to the prayers of parents that have been praying for their children in this district for many years. And he said, my answer to their prayer is to send people into political leadership. That's how I answer prayer. Uh, and so they've been fasting and praying all the years you were praying. Mm -hmm. And I and I chose you and another Christian mom to go in and make a difference. And after that, the most important thing we had to do was pray over the schools and pray over the policy and have authority. My prayer authority changed when I was given the scepter as wow. Esther. And uh, so my campaign manager and I walked around every school. There was like 10 elementary, four middle schools and two high schools. Every August before school opened, we walked around every school in prayer. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I'll share is there were schools that had Christian parents in it and we knew it. As soon as we got on that land, we could feel a difference. I would look at her and I'd say, I don't feel anything evil here, do you? And she says, no, there's got to be Christian teachers and parents in this school. And it was already peaceful. And mm -hmm. so we would just say one prayer and move on to the next school. And so 
that's why I say you may not be called to run for school board and you may be afraid to go to a board meeting, but you can be out there on that property praying for these schools. And the opposite, maybe there are some that have been praying for years and walking and interceding, and they never thought of themselves as doing anything but those hidden prayers. And maybe their prayer has paved a way for themselves to, to step forward into something. And that authority they've been walking in will just multiply because once you have the natural seal, you've been elected as a city official, then you know, a, a school board official, then there you are representing fully in the spirit and in the natural yes. authority. That's so incredible. Keep going. Think, it's amazing. I think some people are, could be hearing a whisper about running and there's a great fear. I was afraid. I'm like, I, I, mm. I can't do this. And the Lord gave me many messages through people uh, the phone would ring and say, I don't know what's going on, but the Lord told me to call you and whatever you're considering, you need to do it. He's calling you to do it. So he'll give you affirmation about it. And before every board meeting, I was on my face before God in the living room praying for wisdom because mm -hmm. I was felt like I was going into the unknown. But mm -hmm. even in the natural, you're, you're, they give you all the training that you need. Um, all the preparation. You don't go in cold. They train their, their board members. But I went to the library and just started when I knew I was called. Mm -hmm. I went to the library and started reading the education law for Washington State. And that's when I discovered that we had the power. We had mm -hmm. the, I realized that the law actually gave the board the responsibility to choose the curriculum and gave the parents the common law rights to elect board officials to represent them to make those decisions. And so I started studying the law, just reading in a library and um, taking notes. And I started to build up my awareness and knowledge. And then the Holy Spirit would give me the words in the same hour and bring that back to mind. And I remember we had a controversial um, decision to make. The state of Washington asked every district to decide if they'd be an open religious school or a closed religious school. And that meant churches could use your building or not use your building. Mm -hmm. uh, children could pray uh, and have Bible study or not. I mean, literally, it was a yes or no vote. Wow. Um, and so it was pretty critical. And I, I think they were hoping everybody would vote no, but mm -hmm. it opened a can of worms. And um, so, uh, you know, dur during that uh, time, uh, I would share an executive session. That's where the board is with a lawyer and we're discussing what we're going to do legally. And they had an ACLU lawyer hired mm -hmm. who kept saying, don't do that. You'll get sued. Don't do that. You'll get sued. Wow. And the Holy Spirit would come to me and I'd say, well, what about the state law that says this? Well, I don't know about that, you know, and then he would say something else. And I go, but what about the state law that says this? And um, got, he got really frustrated with me uh, wow. and left. And the president of the board, who the Lord had converted to Jesus before the, just before this election, which gave us majority control overnight. So he, wow. we had three, three Christians on the board and this one guy who used to wear a hat that said, I hate people. And he'd been on, he'd been on the board forever. That, you know, that summer he got born again. And he's like a whole new person on the board now. And he says wow. to the superintendent, he says, golly, 
Ken. Wendy knows more about the law than our attorney. Get another attorney. And uh, the Lord had uh, the Lord had introduced me miraculously to a constitutional attorney, a Christian, and I said, I know one you can hire. And so the first wow. thing that happened was we hired a constitutional Christian attorney who guided us for the next four years. So I just want to encourage you, God wow. works all these things out for you. And and you you mentioned that, you know, memorization was not something that you had a, a natural strength in, yet no. you've been diligent to to look and research and look at the laws. He brought that, the Holy Spirit brought that yes. to your mind in the moments that you needed it. That's incredible. Yes. yes. Well, um, can you just get get us going in the the basic foundational discussion of who truly is responsible for educating our children, you know, legally and as a, as a Christian, what do you believe? Well, the, there is a common law that the Supreme Court has upheld, and these laws are in the back of my book if you need to review the constitutional laws, um, and it is pretty much been unchangeable the Supreme Court finds that parents are ultimately responsible for their children and their children's education. And nothing's been taken to the Supreme Court since then. It'll be interesting with these laws right now in Oregon and Washington. I haven't paid attention to other states, but they just recently um, are pushing through that your child can have a sex change right. uh, and, the, and at eight in Washington, it's age 11. In Oregon, it's age 15. Um, and if you don't support it, they that's considered child abuse, and they can take your child away from you. And so somebody's got to take this to court, right? That's right. how these things get done. And then so eventually, it'll go to the Supreme Court. And I'm pretty sure the Supreme Court's going to look at all the laws and all the court cases that have come before them, and they have ultimately decided over and over again that parents have the authority. Um, and so it is a common law, and there's a lot of um, precedent laws that have supported that over the years. So it'll be really interesting what's going to happen. In the meantime, we've got to pray, 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 and not let this legislation go through um, and not allow our children to get hurt. However, I would like somebody to take this you know, to, to court. Um, so I also uh, believe as far as religion, people say separation of church and state, and that's really not what uh, the law says about that. And, you know, we've held that up uh, and is held up. I want to get it on my phone here because people mention this all the time. Um, separation of church and state actually is not written in the U.S. Constitution. It was mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson's response to a letter of concern from a, a Danbury Baptist Association. The First Amendment actually says Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. So it has to do, you know, with you wouldn't create, you wouldn't turn the school into a church mm -hmm. or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. So my freedom of religion or a child's freedom of religion is when you walk mm -hmm. through the school doors, it's not taken away from you. You mm -hmm. still have your freedom of your faith and religion. And it's yep. true for teachers too. Now what teachers can't do is use their desk as a pulpit and evangelize because there's all different faiths in, uh, in there. 
And when I ran for office, I know the Mormon church contacted me. And by the way, you want them voting for you. They have values. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I want to, I want to won without their votes also. Um, wow. And so they, they wanted me uh, to allow them to come into, the, if I won, to come into the schools and have kind of a morning Sunday school with their children in school. Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, you can't, it's, mm -hmm. it's against the law. It's like adults coming in and having a religion. However, you can train your children to do that. Mm -hmm. If you're, the law allows your children to bring your their religion into the school and have school clubs. That was that law we voted on. Will we be an open religious school or a closed? And we're open. It's open. So you can have your children set up a school club um, and they can teach. You know, I mean, I'm not one so religion taught, but it meant that we Christians could do it too. So a teacher can oversee kids as they have their own club or an organization with, within the four walls of the school, but a parent or someone from outside of the school or a teacher within the school cannot do a training or a teaching or a Bible study or whatever, which that, that feels, that feels fair and right because it reflects the original law constitution of protecting. Right. Because, because they do take religious freedom. Right. You, you would get lawsuits for sure, but you yeah. can't, you can't get sued. You can have student clubs and if clubs require a teacher sponsor, the teacher is only there to make sure they abide by the law. They can't teach the club. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it's done it all over the nation at colleges, universities, and public schools. That's how students have clubs. So they understood. I still got their support. Uh, the bishop told his people to vote for me. I said, you know, you still want me in there because I represent your values. Um, right. So, you know, when we did um, vote on this open religion or closed school policy, we actually had the ACLU uh, and others uh, testify in the boardroom that they did not want children to be allowed to bow their heads and pray over their food at the lunch hour. They said for a child to do that, it took away the rights of the other children sitting at the table. And that's how extreme, you know, I've listened to over the years, but that's not true. The, the law says a child can bow their head. They can meet at the flagpole on prayer day. Children have complete freedom. And that's why I think people have been prophesying that it's the children that are going to be in this revival mm -hmm. and the children that are going to stand up and tell teachers, you're not going to teach me that anymore. I mean, it's the children mm -hmm. that are going to experience and let's pray for that experience the anointing and presence of the Lord, and they will know what's righteous. Yeah. Um, and they will start their Bible studies and they will evangelize and nobody can stop it because it's legal for them to do that. So good. So, um, you know, you mentioned in, I should have marked which page of the book, but you mentioned the proper role in education. What What is our role as parents? You know, if we're the ones even constitutionally responsible, the Supreme Court says we're responsible for the education of our children. What does that look like? Because, you know, that 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 varies parent to parent. A lot of parents just get mad. They even have to help with homework. You know, they they so want to disconnect like that's your job. You teach my child how how involved should a parent be with um, their child's education? Well, of course, that's changed a lot over the years because of the breakdown of the family. Hopefully, with um, the Great Awakening, people will get involved again. You know, minimal, let's get 
good school board people elected. Let's get good people elected because if you're not going to get involved, at least they can control um, the extreme evil stuff that's been trying to infiltrate, right? Mm -hmm. So at least get involved in the election and be part of that if you don't want to get involved in other ways. But what these conservative board members do, Christian or not, they set up committees and the committees is where the voice comes in and they'll say, well, we had a committee and nobody signed up. So whenever they're reviewing sex education curriculum um, or history textbooks can be controversial. Um, there are committees that boards will set up and for people to volunteer. And I can remember when we set up our committees, you know, we had we had to make sure they were fair and balanced, but we made sure at least half of the people on that committee were conservative mm -hmm. and we knew who they were. We knew who to ask to volunteer because believe mm -hmm. me, the other side is doing the same thing. And so once you have a committee and you have a voice, what will happen is either you will completely stop something bad from being implemented or it's going to be completely reasonable, common sense curriculum. It won't go to any extreme either way. It'll be common sense because you set up this committee. So getting involved in committees um, right now I, in a district near me, they've set up these health clinics and they're calling them health clinics. But it's going to be places they know where they're going to give this uh, transgender advice. Wow. And um, so one of the one of the brave prophetic moms I know, she said, I'm going to go volunteer and work in the place at least, you know. And so she just she didn't say I'm against this place. And what are you doing? Yeah. She's just kind of, she's just kind of stealth. And she's just working in there and keeping her eyes and her ears open so that when it, because they said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have transgender counseling. So she says, well, then I'll just go work in the clinic and I'll find out if they are or not. So um, she, she reports there, you know, every week for her hours. So just simple things like that to keep your eyes and ears open. You know, and I, keep your okay. eyes and ears open. You're looking for obviously opportunities to follow what the Holy Spirit shows you to do, but, but to make sure that people are abiding by the laws yes, really are already on our side. They're on right. the side of protecting our children. It's right. not the laws that are problem, right? It's, it's the people that are trying to ignore the law. Well, but if you have a progressive school board yeah. and you, and a superintendent that they've hired, they've locked it down. So you have to first, you know, get majority control of the board uh, in this one district. They were telling me that they keep passing resolutions and the superintendent refuses to implement them. That's against the law. And I said, you got to fire the superintendent. You're in charge. Fire the superintendent. And they mm -hmm. did. And they hired another one. That's the power that these these boards have that we need to get get involved. And so, yeah, w when you have the eyes and ears, it was really powerful for us to have a teacher network. Teachers, we, we don't want them to get fired and they have to be careful. But if they, you know, they will meet with you secretly and tell you what's going on. And when mm -hmm. you're on the board, you get to go to the superintendent and say, I want this stopped. And well, where did you hear that? Doesn't matter. I know that it's going on in that school and that's against our policy and I want it stopped. And um, so teachers would inform us also. So having informants. Uh, that can't do anything else but let people know because yeah. for risk of their job is really critical too. Well, and I mean, obviously the curriculum is, is 
front and center, I think, of, of a lot of the, is the important issues, because that's where so much of the the false narrative is being pushed on on our children. And mm -hmm. that's what we're hearing more and more on social media. You see clips of people that are showing up in school board meetings and reading, you know, these horrific um portions of literature that you hate to even call it literature. It's like it's porn. They're reading that the kids have access to in the libraries and in the curriculum. Um, so it it's what you're saying is just it couldn't be more important right now. So uh, to, follow, to follow up with that, Elizabeth, yeah. one of the laws I discovered in Washington State and was really old on the books, but it's there, is that the school board was to represent the moral values of the community and of those that elected them. So if you win the board and they come into your boardroom and they say, this is not diverse, this is not representing, and you say, well, yeah, actually it is. Because I we ran in a race, we ran three races in a row, you tried to recall us, you couldn't recall us, the community said no, the community said the moral values that they're standing for is what we want for our children, and the law says, I'm to represent the moral values that the community wants. And so you just have to, you know, quote the law to them. They'll try to intimidate you and make you feel like a shame for making such a non-diverse type decision, you know, uh, but you just, you just have to overlook their tactics and realize you are elected to do that. Uh, so when you ask, you know, what can the parents do they, uh, with the curriculum, you do have a right to demand that it morally reflect your community. So how much value is there in parents going and attending board meetings and speaking up? Well, it's really disappointing if you don't have a good board that respects the community and they're, they're not gonna listen to you. That's why you have to change the board. You still need to do it and you need to get numbers. The more numbers in, in the seats, uh, the better. But they are limited. They limit it to when one to three minutes, and so you don't get an opportunity. So what you want is to have ten people speak for one minute, um, and have and organize and say ten different things. Yeah. Um, get a petition. I have a petition here. I went around my neighborhood. I have three hundred signatures of my neighbors, and you you represent my district. And these people said that they don't want this, you know, and you submit that paperwork. Um, and so it's it's high pressure. They wish you would go away. I know my experience has been with those that still weren't on our side on the board. They want them to go away. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the pressure is, you know, we can't do this. Um, the superintendent will say, you know, mm -hmm. it's really evident that the community showing up. The pressure is here. I just I just don't think we can pass this. I really don't think we should try to do this. Wow. I mean, pretty soon the superintendent starts to feel the pressure and they don't want to be in the paper anymore. They don't want to threaten lawsuits. So they start to just put out the fires before they start. So eventually it does make a difference. Now, in this, once you have majority control, um, the opposition will still show up in the boardroom and try mm -hmm. to harass. Um, and you have to have people showing up at the same time. So we have, they have an organized social media network board meeting tonight and the prayer warriors come and they walk around the building and they come sit and pray in there. Um, and they pray over the board members while they're conducting their meeting. It makes a huge difference for the positive people to get their, 
uh, policy implemented when people are in there supporting them and praying. So um, once you get them elected, just keep showing up. I know board meetings are boring, but you've got to be there um, and in number um, and, you know, just put it on your calendar and just make it something you're committed to do. So even if you don't have kids in the school anymore, you think there's value in just getting involved enough to just attend the school board meetings in your, your area? Well, number one, a lot of candidates like doctors, lawyers, and businessmen whose children are grown not in the schools anymore at all, they run for school board all the time. Yeah. So having children is not a criteria. And the opposition will say, you don't even have kids in school. Like, well, you know, I'm running based on my understanding of law. My I pay taxes. Um, you know, I pay for the bonds that pay for these schools. I have a right to be here. It's you can't use that as a reason for not running for school or not having kids. But even more important, I would encourage the homeschoolers and people that have chosen private school. Uh-huh. I realize it has gotten so bad. Some of you just don't have a choice. I used to just be adamant about get involved and put your children in there. But until you can turn things around, you have to look out for the safety of your child. Um, But remember, I would tell homeschool parents and private school parents, 93%, if not more, used to be 97%, 93% of the children in your state, in your region, are in the public school. You're responsible for that. You're responsible for them. That is the future of your nation. These are the people, these children will be raised up to be your public leaders and, uh, and they're being uh, deceived by this curriculum uh, to continue this mantra for years to come and you've got to stop it now. So, you know, do homeschooling. Um, I have heard state legislatures and other interest groups want to shut down homeschooling. They consider it child abuse. I've heard them say, We need to arrest these parents that keep their children out of school. It's child abuse. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. And you want board members that are going to protect your rights to homeschool. You want you want to partner with them. Um, So I think that there's a lot of numbers out there that I'm hoping will start to get involved, even though they're homeschooling. Good word. That's that's really good. Can you um, tell us? You know, what qualifies someone? You've said that you didn't even have a, a, the level of education then that you do now. What would qualify someone? What does it take, you know, stamina-wise, spiritually, um, in the natural, to to be in a role on a school board? A lot of people that run do have children in school. They run as a parent. A lot of teachers run. A lot of retired teachers run, um, but a lot of parents uh, that I've seen, even locally right now at the different parent groups I go to, um, they have no special qualification. They may or may not have a degree. You know, uh, it's not even a question. Uh, wow. So they care about. They've been volunteers in school. They, they just, they just care. You know, politics was always set up to be a citizenry. Even the even the legislators, that's it's a citizenry election when you a government by the people. So it was always designed for people in the community to take turns mm-hmm. running for office. That's the way it was set up. So there's no we the uh, people. 
<laughs> be the people. There's no criteria. And um, so I would say that if you're going to move up the mountain, you talk about the mountain of education. God said to me, I want you to go back to school. I'm like, but I can't learn. And he's like, I'm going to show you how. And um, and so he opened that door for me. He, he said, I can use you at higher levels, Wendy, if you get your degree. So this was, you know, after the school board election, after me traveling the nation and training 2000 people to win their elections, I still didn't have a degree. God had me travel the nation and speaking. And um, I, I did not have a formal education at the higher level. But after that era was done and I was home again, um, he said it was time to get your degrees. And I didn't want to. And he said, I can't use you at higher levels. Mm -hmm. So when you go up that mountain, sometimes those titles and degrees open doors for you to get to people at that level. And that's probably more in the education mountain than anywhere else. Uh, but to run for school board, that's a parent involvement. I think I would say a home. I've seen homeschool parents run. It's a little bit of a bat, uphill battle because they think, how could you care? You don't even have your kids in school. Um, but it depends if you're in a small town, it's possible. But I would just say the number one thing is to love kids and want to make a difference. Mm. So good. I know when we were talking ahead of time, you were mentioning the importance of um, being able to, you know, be willing to sit through many boring meetings and just just the the commitment that it takes um, and the warfare that comes with it. How did how did you navigate that yourself through the years? Well, I sure appreciate the scripture that Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. Mm -hmm. And um, if I didn't really believe that, that he he showed up when I came to him humbly and lacking wisdom and fearful and seeking him, he showed up every time and ministered to me and equipped me. And I stayed in the word and he gave me scriptures. Um, and so he really likes to work through people that are not qualified. That's all I can say. He has fun with that. I mean, David was the shepherd that wasn't qualified and he rose him up. And it's a real, if you think you're not qualified, you probably are the one he's going to pick. Um, and so if you have, you just have to have that faith and know that he likes it when you don't know all the answers mm -hmm. and you don't know what to do because uh, he wants to give you the wisdom and his ways are not our ways. And uh, he wants to show up and show out. And he did that at board meetings for me. And um, he, he enjoys that. And so just your willingness to hear his voice and lean in and trust him. Um, and he will he'll raise you up in, into those positions and where uh, where he wants you. And he'll give you the words in that same hour. Uh, the other thing is understanding that the enemy hates you, period. The enemy wants to stop you. He wants to shut you up. He is more he was more afraid of me running for school board than all the Sunday school stuff I did, right? He was right. never, <laughs> or the daycare centers I opened, he was, you know, even my little Bible studies in the home. He was not afraid of me. As soon as I decided to step out politically, he was afraid and he wow. wanted to stop me. And uh, so I, God just showed me the battlefield. He showed me that there's another side to this too. There are witches and warlocks in your children's schools. And there are people, there are Satanists that want to get your children. And 
you just can't be bury your head in the sand. They, yeah. they are very active and they want your children and they uh, want to engage them in these practices. And so your battle is in the spirit realm and yeah. you have more authority than they do. And sure. that's why the enemy didn't want me to win is because he knew that my campaign manager and I would go into that district with that scepter and start to take down those strongholds that weren't allowed to be there. And many of the teachers that I was informed were uh, witches um, uh, and infiltrating sexually explicit material in the libraries and uh, other places. Um, wow. when, the, when the spiritual warfare took place, and I had a prayer group doing the same, um, those teachers left the district. They would tell us they just left. Because they they did they didn't have the power anymore. Yeah. They had no spiritual power to stay. So there was at least four or five that I had my eye on that uh, really troubled me. That I knew they were into this, and um and they were gone. I mean, like thank you Jesus. All we had to do was uh, take authority, and they didn't want to be in that district. The other side is the district prospered. The superintendent never saw anything like it. He said this, the union negotiations have never gone this smooth. Um, the num people wanted to move into the district. Uh, the special ed program became one of the most special programs around. Everybody was bringing their children in, and there was a lot of federal dollars that came with that. I mean, just it mushroomed uh, into success. It went from um, the 14th largest district in the state to the 10th largest uh, district in the state. Um, but it just, it prospered by millions of dollars. And the superintendent recognized it. He said, I've never seen so much favor and uh, great things happening. Even though he had to put up with some of the controversy, right. he could he could see there was a blessing attached to us. That is what it means to be salt and light. You know, we, we have to, we have to be engaged where the heart of Jesus is. And, and if he's anywhere, he's with our children, right? Uh, it just, it's truly an honor to hear some of your journey and, and the impact that you're having. And it, it's clear that for such a time as this, the Lord had you um, get this book back out again. And I'm glad that we can help promote it and the training that you have available. Is there anything else that you want to make sure you cover? And then would you tell us a little bit more about your book and how people can get it? Sure. Well, on my heart this week, uh, the Lord has been putting Daniel on my heart, my favorite leader in the Bible. And um, even in my job right now, I'm, I'm an administrator at a university. And, the is you know, it gets weary. I mean, Jeremiah was told, when he complained, the Lord said, Jeremiah, if you can't run with people, you're never going to run with horses. And I have a picture of three horses up on my wall to remind me there's this daily grind of managing people and upset students and administrative work and interviewing new faculty. I mean, the tasks are endless, plus teach classes. And um, mm -hmm. I keep thinking there's got to be more, you know, this is just temporary, right, God? <laughs> <laughs> right? You're going to get me back out in the nation speaking again or something, right? And the Lord, the Lord said, when I called you to leadership, what, what did you think it was? Mm -hmm. He said, think about Daniel. Do you think it was exciting every single day for him? 
And you know, just forget the Daniels and the Lions Dan. Let's just talk about him as an administrator. He started out as a you know a captured slave, and then he had favor, and then he was a bureaucrat, and then he was an advisor to the king, and yeah. then um, God gave him visions, and then he became governor of yeah. the largest province in the kingdom of its time. Went through three kings. I mean, I would say by the second king, I would have been saying, "Am I done yet, God? Can I go back to Jerusalem now?" And you have to recognize sometimes our tasks are going to be tedious administrative work, but oh, yeah. but it's the influence when you get to the top of, of the mountains, that influence is so critical, but you have to take on the role of Daniel and mm -hmm. recognize that there are daily tasks to be done. And he wants in, us in the middle of it. He doesn't want, he's not, there's no escaping that you have to stay in it for the yeah. long haul. That's and, right. Uh, There'll be miracles along the way, and he'll encourage you. Um, but Daniel didn't get to ever go back. He, he stayed in, until his death. Um, but the Lord was saying that calm presence, and mm -hmm. the reason he was so powerful is that he prayed three times a day. He was just an example. Mm -hmm. They they always found him praying three times a day. And I, I'm lucky I do my morning prayers. Uh, okay. But, yeah. you know, um, that that was his power. And that was the power we had in that school district was that prayer. And so it's not, it's the spiritual warfare in prayer. It's the mm -hmm. doing your job well with excellence like Daniel. And yeah. it's being willing to be committed for the long haul, yeah. um, even through the boring administrative tasks. Yeah. You know, uh, seek the Lord. I just, I feel like I'm supposed to pray now. Would that be okay? Absolutely. Let's do yeah, it. And I, then y'all, y'all stay with us. Cause I do want you okay. to know. I just, yeah, I, I just feel the anointing of Great. the Lord right now. Let's and so it. Lord, I just feel somebody's listening right now. And they're just like, God, please don't let this be me. I know mm -hmm. I've heard you calling me, but I just don't want to have to go through this. And I just want to speak to those people. It's going to be okay. Yeah. God's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the people. He's going to give you the resources. He's going to equip you. And he's going to uh, just bless you mightily. My family has been blessed mightily because I obeyed and I followed this path. He's going to bless you and protect you and your family. Just trust him um, and uh, seek him. Uh, and ask for him to bring you people as confirmation and help. I just thank you, Lord, for these people that are going to answer the call to yes. get into the education mountain, to get into the public schools and to make a difference for yes. the long haul. God, it's been a long time since we woke up and we're going to have to get in there and get our hands dirty and do a lot of work. Yes. So, Father, help these people answer the call yes. and take away their fear now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You know, when you were praying, I, I feel like there's also someone that um, has run before and they lost and they mm -hmm. just, they just cannot stand the thought of having to go through that again. But I felt yeah. like the word said, ask again, yeah. ask again. And he may have you run again. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's through failing that we are actually able to be successful in the yeah. future. It's it's part of the political game is name identification, and you wish that you could win the first time, and I was blessed that I did, but many of the candidates, I mean, Lincoln ran 16 times before, <laughs> before he won, right, because right? he knew that he was called, and yeah. so, um, yeah, sometimes it's name identification and timing, so yeah. definitely, once you've got that under your belt, you should you should try at least a second time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, 
Okay, so can you tell us some of your favorite things in in your book? There you go. Sure. This is our Amazon. I, I hate that we have to use Amazon for everything, but it's the easiest way to order it. Yeah. I, I also have a website called AmericanSchoolBoards.org. I I do hope eventually to build enough elected people that we could start to change the state school board associations. That's kind of the dream because the state the state legislators and the state board associations are controlling a lot of things too, but we have to get mm -hmm. people elected to then get into those positions. Gotcha. Uh, my favorite, my favorite thing. Um, I, oh, my favorite would be um, my friend that won the uh, school board race. I said, there's a list of questions in my book to ask the superintendent now that you're elected, because you need to, you have a right to know these things. So she took a list of it in and asked the superintendent, Right after her election, he said, "Who have you been talking to?" I love it. <laughs> where, where did you Where did you get these questions? Like, it kind of blew him away. So that's one of my favorite. I think I love awesome. the laws that are in here that that mm -hmm. constitutional lawyer gave me yeah. uh, to give us strength over that. Um, of course, there's, you know, the basic campaign message here is find people to support you and get out the vote, mm -hmm. getting out the vote, all the ways you get out the vote. Uh, remember, a lot of these elections are in April and May, and they do that on purpose. They don't. November elections are expensive for school districts and mm -hmm. too many uh, conservative Republicans show up to the polls. So wow. they, they they want to hide the election and they do bond levies the same way so wow. that they can get they can get their people out. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not as organized. So I promise you, if you get enough people out, you can you might win by one or two votes because it's such a secret in April and May, people just don't do it. They don't mail in their ballots or they don't go to the polls in April and May. So you have a great chance of yeah. getting your friends out uh, to vote for you. So explaining how to do that to get out mm -hmm. the vote. And um, and I just love giving, you know, uh, answering the call uh, and the story of how the Lord did that uh, in my life. You know, I give him all the glory. Um, yeah. And I look back on that and say, what an amazing God we have that he took a woman who had learning disabilities yeah. and didn't think she could go to school. And um, I was thought I'd be a stay at home mom forever. And he chose me um, and he and then he gave me the prophetic words and confirmed I am choosing you and I'm going to be with you. And so I love that story in the book, too. So good. I'm going to read real quick the, the names of the 12 chapters. Um, Democracy in Action, Against All Odds, that's your part of the story, Answer the Call, It Won't Be Easy, How to Get Involved, Testifying at a School Board Meeting, The School Board Candidate, An Effective Campaign, Handling the News Media, An Elected Public Official, positive stories, and be knowledgeable about court cases. It's so super practical, and it's not a very long book. I mean, I, I would think somebody who's interested in this could get through it. You could easily get through it in one day. Um, it's, it's just packed with so much practical information. Um, so I highly recommend it. I want to I read the back of the book to them really quickly, too, because I love sure. how you synopsis that this restoring America's schools, 
This training manual is designed to teach parents and citizens their role in school board meetings and school board elections, teach potential candidates how to get elected in the school board, and inform elected members how to effectively function in the important responsibility of being a school board member who upholds the standards and decency reflected in the moral and spiritual foundations underlying the American Constitution and promotes a plan of action designed to restore to parents their proper role in education. It's it's uh, it's just an important book. I think um, I think. I can't think of anyone who wouldn't get something out of this. If if no other reason, just to understand what we're experiencing in the news right now. And there's so many other reasons as well. So where can they find your book? Is that, you said on Amazon and on americanschoolboards.org? Yeah, americanschoolboards.org will give you more information about me and about um, the vision uh, okay. And also just a link again to Amazon. It's just when you're working full time, it's easier to just sell your books uh, on Amazon. So yeah. if you type in Dr. Wendy Flint, I have actually 10 books out there. I also write devotions for people in the workplace because once God called me to schools, he also called me to business. I didn't know he cared about business. I thought, well, you care about schools, but surely you don't care about business. I didn't know about the seven mountains. And he said, yep, I care about everything. And so um, he took me through all these different jobs in government, nonprofit, business, education um, for this, just for this purpose uh, to, to where I teach now and I coach uh, young students in their careers and their direction. Uh, but the, uh, the school board has always, children have always been in my heart. But mm -hmm. when you go out there, you'll see these other devotional books that encourage people in the workplace. Um, oh, amazing. I, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the secular workplace. And we've got, my, the last book I wrote, wrote is titled, Can God Come to Work With Me? And, and oh, yes, that. <laughs> he can come to work with you. And so from the time he called me to run for school board, he said, I am very much interested uh, in my people's involvement in these areas. And that's why I was so excited. Uh, in the beginning, I wasn't sure what I was doing. And then I found this information about Seven Mountains. And boy, did that make everything come clear. Okay, this is what you're doing. And so that's why I'm thankful for uh, your ministry too. Awesome. Wow. Well, I just thank you again so much for your time and for joining us today. And is there a contact on that website if someone? Yeah, I do get message. I do get messages sent through the website that come into my uh, email. I have a special email just for that. And I have had, by the way, grandparents, grandmas running for office. And I'm a grandma, and yeah. I encourage them. And um, they're dealing. Sometimes they deal. They don't know how do I deal with a superintendent that does this, or the school board is hiding things from me. And so I will give personal advice awesome. by email you know, what you can do. Um, and, uh, and then I put them on, a, I have people here. In, I live in uh, Oregon. I have people that pray for these people that contact me. I go, I've got another candidate running for a school board and we lift them up in prayer. So okay. if you're work, uh, dealing with something and you need some personal advice, my contact information is at americanschoolboards.org. Incredible. Well, thank you again, Dr. Wendy. And um, we look forward to hearing great things from those who get trained by you and go in and, and change the world one school board at a time. <laughs> Amen. All right. God Bye. bless. Thank you. Bye.